right, guys, let's pray. Father, I just want to just want to thank you, Lord, for being so faithful that you would bring us here week after week and be with us day after day. God, no matter the circumstance, God, you're always with us. And Lord, it's such a blessing to have your word, to be able to read, and to get to know you better, Lord. And I'm so thankful you provided that for us, because God, I know that we wouldn't want to just hear it from our friends through word of mouth, because God, that can get messed up. I'm just so thankful that your word never changes, and that you never change, and that you've always been loving and faithful to us, even before we were born, you had us in mind. So, Lord, I just want to thank you for that. And I want to ask you to change hearts in here tonight. And I pray that we would be able to, to find you tonight, Lord. I pray that we would have open ears and open eyes and open hearts to what you have to say, to where you tell us to go, and for what you tell us to do. And that's what I ask, Lord. And I ask these things in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so, have y'all ever had a week kind of like... Uh, like Job had, you ever felt like Job a little bit, where things just aren't going right? Well, this week I kind of feel like Job, just a, just a tad. I've been kind of throwing myself a little pity party at home. It's been like, you feel like Job because you're just trying to do the right things, and you feel like God has put this on your heart, something on your heart, and you're trying to go after it, and and you just feel right about it. You're just like, man, I know this is where God's leading me. All of a sudden, something bad happens. And then, you know, work stinks. And then I get sick. And then I'm just like, God, what do you want me to say when I preach on Wednesday? And it was just temptation around every corner. Satan making me doubt things about, about God and where he's leading me to go. And the whole time, every time something happened, I'm just asking. I feel like, and it's just this is really weird. I just I guess the competitive side of me has comes out every once in a while. Y'all never see that side of me because I don't I'm competitive in my own little way. It's really like a passive way almost, but I get really turned up in here. You know what I'm saying when I say that? So like it's it's like I'm I'm sitting here and I think like Satan's like right next to me. I'm like, that's all you got, bro? I'm like, what's up? You know? I'm like, I was like, this ain't gonna you ain't gonna stop me, bro. Like that's what I'm just trying to tell you. You can do whatever you want. You can make me sick or whatever. No, he didn't make me sick, but you know what I'm saying. Stuff happens. I'm just like, I just get like really just motivated in my mind when things just start coming my way that are different than what I thought. And when I'm trying to follow after God's will and I'm trying to do these things and things just keep coming against me, I'm just like, I don't care. So if you are in that place in your mind, in your heart, and you maybe doubting yourself, like doubting, not yourself, but where God has called you. You may be doubting that in your mind, and in your heart you know that God has called you to a specific place, or God has called you to do a specific thing to a specific person, to a specific purpose, all these different things, and, and Satan's bringing these things into your life, or it may just be life in general happening to you, and you're doubting, and you're, you're having a hard time having faith. If that's you, Right now, I want you to get that out of your mind. Get that doubt out of your mind. And tonight, we're going to be talking about trusting God. That's what we're going to be talking about. And that doubt and that fear in your mind and in your heart, we want it out. Just forget about it. Don't let that, don't bring that in here. Let, let that just, just hang off to the side for a little while because it does not matter. That doubt and fear in your heart is not supposed to be there. And tonight, we're going to talk about why it shouldn't be and what you should trust in. So we have been talking about trusting God, and last week, and even Sunday, we even talked about it a little bit. And I was just thinking to myself, well, what do I say? Like, do I talk about, you know, uh, when, when Peter was walking on water, and then he lost his trust, and, and God looked away for a little bit, and he started singing, and I was like, I'm, I'm just trying to think, like, what passages do I look at and decide from? But I never really do that anyway. I'm just, I guess I'm just being transparent now, but I never really do that anyway because I don't want to preach on a topic. I don't want to have a topic in mind and then go to God's Word and twist whatever God's Word 
is saying to fit whatever topic I want. And so I, I, I didn't want to do that. So what I did, I just started reading. And like I always do, I just started reading. And, and I just see where God ends up. And I try my best to just let every other influence go to the side besides his Holy Spirit. So we talked about last week, last Wednesday, Kenny talked about Matthew chapter 6 and how we shouldn't worry about tomorrow. We shouldn't worry about what we will eat or what we will drink or what we will wear because it's not the body more than clothing and it's not the body more than what you eat. And if, and if God clothes the, the lilies of the field with such wonderful colors, they're so much better than even what Solomon wore, wouldn't he not care for us? And if the birds, they don't even, they don't, they don't go and plant their food or and do anything like that. They don't work for it, yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. It, aren't you more valuable than they are? So he's saying, trust me. And at the very end of it, it says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about everyday life. Seek me first and my righteousness, and everything that you need will be given to you. And it was like, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has enough troubles on its own. Today has enough troubles on its own, so worry about today. Stay in today. Take it day by day, because you know who owns your tomorrow? God does. God has a plan for your life, so you trust Him with your tomorrow. Don't be thinking about your tomorrow today, because today will just be wasted then, because you're, you're so focused on what tomorrow is going to be. Well, you know what? You never get to tomorrow when you, when you are constantly worried about your future. The day never progresses, almost, like in, in your mind. The plans never progress because you're in one spot worrying the whole time. So let God have your tomorrow and the rest of your future, and you do what he calls you to do today. And then uh, this Sunday, Kenny also talked about uh, trust in God. And it was just weird how all these things started kind of coming together. And a lot of times we worry about our future. Do we not? Is that not mainly what we worry about 99% of the time? We worry about what's going to happen. Even if something happened today, we start thinking, what, what is this thing that happened today going to have an effect on my future? What effect is it going to have on my future? We think about our future. We think about where we're going to end up. We think about how we're going to get there, what steps we're going to take to get there. But I'm going to venture out and say this. We make plans for our future, don't we? We make these plans. We have a plan in our mind, whether we ever voice that or not. Sometimes we don't even tell people about these plans. And sometimes these plans, we, we convince ourselves, we tell ourselves these plans so much that we even convince ourselves that they're the right plan, even if, it only, even if, even if it's only been on your mind for a day or two. And sometimes we may even do those plans just so that we can prove to everybody else that we've got this thing figured out. But regardless, we have these plans. And, I, and I'm just going to venture out and say that most of us in making, whether they're little or big, decisions in our life, we don't trust the Holy Spirit in those decisions. Amen. You know what we trust and you know what the world tells us to follow after? This thing. You're not supposed to follow your heart. Now, I understand that the Holy Spirit will convict your heart about certain things, and, then, and you follow after that. You follow after what the Holy Spirit is making your heart go towards. Yes, the Holy Spirit will change your heart. Just like, just like when you get saved, he takes out the heart of stone and puts in a heart of flesh, and he changes your perspective, and we allow God to change our thoughts and all that kind of stuff. Yes, God will convict your heart and change what it's thinking, change what you're going to do. But just your heart, just your own desires, just the things that you think about, you're not supposed to follow that because your heart is exceedingly wicked, and it will lead you down the wrong path Time after time after time after time. It will never fail you. It will, it will always fail you. The heart never fails to fail you. Because we go after what we want. And a lot of times, that's contrary to what God wants. Eve wanted something that God didn't want. She followed her heart, and guess where that led her? 
You're not supposed to follow your heart. You're supposed to follow the Holy Spirit. So we talk about that all the time, do we not? Kenny talks about it constantly. Ever since I met the guy, he's like, follow the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit changed my message two seconds ago, so I'm not going to preach what I studied for all month. I'm just going to preach what, exactly what the Holy Spirit led me to preach. And Holy, follow the Holy Spirit this. Follow the Holy Spirit that. The Holy Spirit's going to do this. The Holy Spirit's going to do that. And the Holy Spirit's committed to my heart right now. Hey, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this. I'm counseling you about something's going on in your life. Holy Spirit this, Holy Spirit that, all, all the time, Holy Spirit. What, what is the Holy Spirit? What is that? The Holy Spirit is God. In Acts chapter 16, verses 6 and 7, it says, the Holy Spirit, so on and so forth. And then the very next verse says, the Spirit of Jesus said, so on and so forth. Just in those two verses, we see that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. And in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says the Word, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And the Word, as you go on in that passage, is actually Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is also the Holy Spirit, which makes the Holy Spirit God. Three in one, that's where we get the Trinity. And it's kind of hard, when, when you're reading the Bible, it's not logical you, we just sang a song, we don't understand your ways, God. We don't understand these things. No, we don't. But if we could put him inside of a box and understand him, would he still be God? So the Holy Spirit is God. So what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, in John chapter 16, when Jesus is telling his disciples, like he's just kind of telling them, you know, like what's about to start happening. He's trying to prepare them for what's about to start happening to him on the cross and how he's going to be portrayed by someone in their group and he's going to be beaten and all these kinds of different things. But he says, don't be afraid because I'm asking God to send you an advocate who's going to comfort you and give you the words when you need them. When, when you're being persecuted and they're asking you to tell these things, the Holy Spirit will give you the words the Holy Spirit also gives us peace. It gives us power. We see in Acts where, where these men who were not Jesus were healing people. And, and then the Holy Spirit is, is leading people to go places and to say different things and to do different things. You can read the Bible and you can see where the Holy Spirit, time after time after time, is what God uses to direct our hearts, to direct our, our bodies to go into a, a certain place where we intend different things, but then the Holy Spirit changes our direction, and, and where our direction is is where we're actually going to go, not where we intend. When, our, when the Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, the Holy Spirit convicts us, and we follow the Holy Spirit, He will tell us these things. And so we're going to be in the book of Acts tonight, Acts chapter 16. But before I get there, I want to talk about what it's about. The book of Acts is written by a man named Luke. And he's writing about the, what the disciples did after Jesus went back up into heaven after he resurrected himself from the dead. And it just records everything that they did, the star of the church and, and how uh, this man named Paul who wrote three-quarters of the, the New Testament, how, how like the things he went through and, and how he got saved, all these different things. And it talks about the different places they went and told and, and the different miracles they performed in the name of Jesus Christ. It talks about their persecution. And it talks about how the church, the different people in the church were sacrificing things, how the church is not a building. It's, about, it's a group of believers. It's a, it's a body of believers who form a body where Christ is the head and we're the limbs, we're everything else. And, and we're sacrificing things in our own lives to help the other believers, encourage them, sell our houses so that other believers can be provided for, we're supposed to lean on each other. It's what it talks about. But there's something very special about all these people, about all these events. What is that? It's the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus was fully man. And that meant that he could only be one place at one time. And he, Jesus himself even said that it's better that I go so that I can send you a comforter. So that these people in Acts, there's thousands of them. Thousands of them got saved at, at, at one time. And, and there's, there's thousands more that heard the gospel that the, the book doesn't even uh, record. It's just saying like they went place after place. 
Jesus couldn't be with every single person physically in his body, with every single thousands of these people. He couldn't do it. That's not, he was fully man. And so he says, it's better for me to go so that I can send you the comfort. I can send you the Holy Spirit who's going to be with everybody, everywhere who believes in me. And he will give you this power that I possess. He will give you the words that I'm telling you. He will give you the words that are written down in this book we call the Bible. He will help you with these things. He will give you peace when you're being persecuted. The Holy Spirit is what I'm giving to you. And that's what was special about these people. And so we, we move on after uh, Acts chapter 2 where they received the Holy Spirit. And Paul, in Acts chapter 9, his name was Saul. Y'all know who Paul is, but I'm just going to explain about this guy. So he got knocked off his high horse. He got saved. Jesus was with him. And then after that, God told him he wanted Paul to share the gospel with the Gentiles, who were not Jews. God's people were the Jews. And he wanted Paul to go to the rest of the world and share the gospel with these people who were not God's chosen people, because these people needed to hear the gospel. And God not only died for the Jews, but he died for the Gentiles. He died for the whole world, for everybody who would ever be born into it or die out of it. He died for the whole world. And he chose Paul to do that. And so Paul... In Acts chapter 13, Paul and this guy named Barnabas was appointed by the Holy Spirit. He was, they were appointed by the Holy Spirit to do the things that God called them to do, which is share the gospel with as many people, travel around, share the gospel with these people. And so he went on his first missionary journey. And in his first missionary journey, he went to to like 10 different places, and he sailed different places, and he hiked to different places, and when he got to these places, he preached to them. He would go into their synagogues or places where they're meeting for prayer, all these different kind of things. He would preach to them, and some of them would believe. They were Jews and Gentiles alike, but some of them would believe, and other people got really mad when they, when they would come back and hear his word, and, and the Jews were like, man, this is messed up. Like, I thought we killed Jesus not too long ago, and, and y'all were preaching about him, and y'all were healing people in, in his name. I'm mad at y'all. So, the, so Paul and Barnabas, they got stoned. They got rejected. They got persecuted. They were talked bad about. All these different things were coming against them. And even one time that Paul got stoned and thrown out of the city, and all the believers were surrounding him, and he was, he looked like, they looked like he was dead. And so he just got right back up and went into the city that he just got thrown out of and stoned. He went right back into that city and started preaching the gospel. All that happened in his first missionary journey. We're going to pick up at the very beginning of his second missionary journey. In Acts chapter 16, starting in verse 6, it says, it says, Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia, because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Maja to the seaport of Troas. So hold up. Time out. In Matthew chapter 28, it says, Go into all the nations, preaching the gospel, baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says to go to the Samaria, Judea, and the rest of the world, to, to the rest of the nations, and, and preach the gospel. So Paul and this guy named Silas, because Paul and Barnabas, the guy who was with it at first, they split up because they had a disagreement. And it was kind of weird, but the thing is, is, is they split up because, because they had a disagreement about somebody who was going to be helping them on their missionary journey. Paul went here, Barnabas went here. How many people do you all think shared the gospel, got the gospel shared with them? More than if they were both here. So it was like, it was like God orchestrated this, this, this breakup that they had. It, it wasn't just like over... It was over something so trivial, and, but, but they, they separated, and they went on their own missionary journeys because both of them were appointed, Acts chapter 13. So it's just continuing on with what Paul did, and he picked up this bro. He had a homie named Silas, and so he started going with Silas, and they both wanted to revisit the places that Paul 
went on his first missionary journey to. And then, as they were going, they had a burden for people. They wanted to share the gospel. And they started going, and the Holy Spirit stopped them. And so again, they started going to somewhere else, somewhere in Asia. And again, the Spirit of Jesus stopped them. Now, why would God give us those commands to go into all the nations and then stop us from going certain places? I don't know. I guess he's got a plan. I guess, I guess that God knows more than we know. And my guess is, is that he knows who needs to be there, and he's going to send those people. It's not that, so, so we can't put all the pressure on ourselves saying that me individually I'm going to share the gospel with every single person on earth because is that possible? Because I might have an idea to go to Clay County and share the gospel, and then next I'm going to go to Mississippi, and then there from Kent to Canada. Do you not think in that time, that time frame, there would be a couple people who have died out of those places? So why would we put so much pressure on ourselves to share the gospel with every person in the world. God tells us to share the gospel with the entire world, but he's not telling us that an individual person can accomplish that. The church may be able to accomplish that. Maybe not the entire world with one body of believers, and maybe not in our lifetime, but the world is being reached one at a time, one country at a time, one city at a time. And that's what we we're called to do. When we put so much pressure on ourselves, like, well, I've got to go here, and I've got to do this. If God has called you to go there, then you go. But sometimes the Holy Spirit may be leading you not to go to those places. That doesn't mean that those people won't hear the gospel from somebody else. That just means that he wants you to go somewhere else and share the gospel. You may have a very heavy burden for these people. You may, you may have stayed up crying about these people, praying for them, praying about what to say, and then the Holy Spirit says, no, you're not going to go there. So the Holy Spirit told Paul and Silas, no, you're not going to go there. You're not going to go to Asia. So they just had to trust it. They didn't go. And so what happened? In verse 9, that night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave from Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So we talked about at the very beginning, um, we have these plans, Right? We, we think that, well, maybe even this may happen all, in the rest of the world. I don't know. All I know is in Oxford, Alabama, a lot of the people I know, a lot of the students I know, a lot of people my age who are in college that I know, we think we've got to have a five-year plan. We, got, we think we've got to know what college we're going to. We think we've got to know or even have a, you know, just an idea about what career we're going to choose. We think that we got to know who we're going to marry because, don't, don't let me lie about this, but sometimes we, we look at people and say, I, I think that that might be my future husband or that might be my future wife because I like the way she acts. I like the way he looks. I like the way he, way he does things, you know, with money. And, and I, I really like his car. And he just looks like he'd be a perfect fit for me. We think we've got to know all these different things, and, and we, we stress ourselves out because, you know what, 99% of the time, things don't go according to plan, do they? 
And sometimes when they do, we think, oh man, planning's great, so I'm just going to plan my whole life out. Well, you know what? You're going to fail. We make all these plans, and when Jesus, when the Spirit, when the Holy Spirit of God tells us, don't go here, don't worry about this, don't search after a husband or a wife, don't search for this, don't go here, don't go to college here, don't go to college at all. When he says, don't do something, a lot of times we think to ourselves that we know God's plan better than he knows because you know what? It's kind of obvious that we need this, you know, this higher education. And, and, and we're thinking, there's nothing wrong with higher There's nothing wrong with college. But if God is saying don't, we convince ourselves that this is the best thing for me. When really the best thing for you is to follow where God is leading you. My, one of my best friends in high school, he called me the other day. He don't have a phone. He just found somebody's phone, and he remembered my number. He called me, and he has been reading this book. And he says to me, he's like, I, I don't know what to do because I feel like my girlfriend is hindering me from actually following what God is calling me to do. Now, I don't know if he is truly following, going to follow after Christ, even if he broke up with his girlfriend. I don't know that. But all I do know is that the Holy Spirit was convicting him and was showing him through this book he was reading that she was hindering him from seeing what God was actually calling him to do. And he was, he was, she was being a distraction to him. So, I heard he called one of my other friends today, and I was with him. And on the phone, he told him that he had broken up with his girlfriend, finally, and that he was trying to follow what God was telling him to do. When the Holy Spirit tells you not to do something, or to get rid of something, or to not go somewhere, what is it for? It is for your good and for his glory. It is so that you will be better taken care of as his child and more people will see the glory of God and have the gospel shared to them. That's what that means. See, God's got this thing rigged. God's got this thing figured out where he says, when I say go, you go. When I say come, you come. And when I say stay, you stay. And when I say say something, you got to say it. Because I created this thing. I created this whole plan. I've got a plan for everybody, everywhere, at every time. I know the past, I know the future, and I know the present. I know all of these things. So don't you think, just think in your mind for just a second, don't you think that God knows your life knows what's better for you than you know. Just think very seriously for a second. Don't you think that he knows better than you? Didn't he create you? And doesn't he love you more than you love yourself? And the thing is, when he tells you not to go somewhere, not to do something, even if you think that is for God's glory and for the gospel being shared, even if it's to that extreme, it may be sin, but it may be something like that. I promise you, when you follow the Holy Spirit, he will lead you to the place where you need to be. See, Paul was sleeping, or he was just, he was chilling out one day and had a vision. God was revealing to him where he should go. God gave him a vision of this man that said, please come to Macedonia, please come to Macedonia. We need you here, come help us. And immediately, when he figured that out, he said, all right, homie Silas, let's go. Well, we got to go to Macedonia. That's where God said to go. And they were fully convinced. It says, it says, it says, at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. They concluded in their hearts. You see, they, they said, I'm going to go here. But they allowed room in their hearts for the Holy Spirit to say, no, you're not going to go here. 
And then when they said, all right, God, they just chilled out for a little while. They were wait, actively waiting on him because they were like, oh, I'm, I'm going to go here. And the Holy Spirit said, no. Well, you know, where, where am I supposed to go? I don't know. And then the Holy Spirit revealed it to them, and so they went. The Holy Spirit will lead you where you need to go. I promise you, it will happen every single time. When you are sharing the gospel, I promise you, every single time you will have the words to say. If you are following after the Holy Spirit, I promise you, if you go to God and ask Him where you need to go and you're trusting in Him for that, I promise you, you will end up figuring out where to go. It may be a year from now, but you will know if you trust God and trust that He will give you the answer. The Holy Spirit will guide you. Trust in God is following where the Holy Spirit is directing you. When we get baptized... And I know my first time baptizing somebody, I didn't say the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you know, kill me, whatever, you know. I'm sorry. I didn't do it. It was, in, it was in here, and I said it after when I was praying to God, and I repented, and I was sorry. And Seth, my, my bad, bro. I love you, man. But I just, he, he knows, and, and I knew, and, and God knew, and, and y'all know, y'all know that I didn't say it, so that's how I know that it was, it was real. That's how I know it was real. Because all y'all was sitting there, and I know he didn't do Matthew 28 says this, but he didn't do it. I ain't letting him baptize no more. And I was like, man, y'all, y'all hush. Y'all hush it up, all right, whatever. So when we pray, when we get baptized, we say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Kenny asked this question. He says, are you committed to denying yourself and following the Holy Spirit who now lives within you. I admit that's not God's word, but it's a summar- it's, he's summarizing what, what God's word is saying. Are you committed to denying yourself, dying to yourself, legit saying, Keith Wilson, you don't exist anymore. When you are deciding where to go, what to do, what to say, who to go to, who to talk to, when you are deciding these things, when you are deciding on your career, when you are deciding on who to marry, when you are deciding on this, this, and this, everything you can possibly think of, little or small, where your next meal is going to come from, how much money you need to spend on that, I promise you, the Holy Spirit will lead you, but you have to deny yourself. That is what God called us to do, die to yourself. It is not about you anymore. It has never been about us. But the best thing about that is, is we will kill ourselves. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to destruction. We will end up leading ourselves to destruction, but when we follow the Holy Spirit, the best thing for us will happen, and His glory will be shared. But we die to ourselves when we follow the Holy Spirit. So I asked the question in the beginning, why did God say not to go somewhere and then lead him to go somewhere? And in verse 11 it says, you know, they were going to Macedonia. We boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day we landed at Neapolis, Neapolis, whatever. From there we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia, and a Roman colony, and we stayed there several days. So they, they went to where God led them. They, still don't know really, they really don't know why they're there. On the Sabbath day, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. We sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized, and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home, and she urged us until we agreed. So I don't, I don't know. Say if Paul and Silas went to Asia I don't know that God wouldn't have sent somebody else to Macedonia, all right? I don't know that. To be honest with you, I don't really care because what I do know is that Paul and Silas listened to the Holy Spirit, and when they followed after that, 
they were led to Macedonia. And when they got there, they ended up sharing the gospel with somebody who was praying in a group of people. And she was trying to worship God. And she accepted what Paul was saying. What does Paul preach? He says, I refuse to preach anything but Christ crucified. Paul was telling her exactly what he told everybody on his first missionary journey. This is the, one of the first places he's went on his second missionary journey, and he's following the Holy Spirit, starting off on the right note. And this person accepts the gospel for what it is and says, I want that. So she gave her life to the Lord because she followed the Holy Spirit. And they were exactly where God wanted them to be. And get this too, it doesn't specifically say it, but I bet, I can almost bet you that when they got there, they had peace in here. You know what would have happened if they went to Asia? Man, something's not right. Something's not right. I, I don't get this. Why, why is God not being glorified here? Why, why do I feel like this? I, I, I don't understand. Like God's leading me to do something, but I, I'm just ignoring him. You won't have peace. If you don't follow the Holy Spirit, you won't have peace. If you don't let God change the way you think, you won't have peace. If you don't let God control your life, you will never have peace. We talked about last week, have you given God full control? And guess what the Holy Spirit also is. We talked about that in the beginning. But the Holy Spirit says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, says that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of your salvation. So what that's saying is, it's saying that the Holy Spirit is how you know whether you're saved or not. We talked about this thing all the time. How do, you, how do I know that I'm saved or whatever? And, and, and you hear preachers preach, well, you're not saved if. Well, one surefire thing that I know, that the Bible says, is that if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are not saved. The Holy Spirit is a guarantee of your salvation and a guarantee of the promises that God made in the Old Testament. He's a guarantee of the promises and of your salvation. And he compels us to follow after Jesus. He compels us to go different places. So my question to you is, do you have the Holy Spirit? Does God speak to you on a daily basis? Do you follow after the Holy Spirit? If you're really just deeply questioning what that is, you probably don't know him. Because he is very, very special. And he, when he comes into your life, there's no mistake. And my next question is, are you allowing God to change your plans? Are you saying, God, I'm not going to make plans. I'm going to take it day by day, just like you said in Matthew chapter 6. And I'm going to follow your Holy Spirit when he tells me to go and when he tells me to come and when he tells me to stay and when he tells me the words to speak. I'm going to do that. Do you trust the Holy Spirit that much? Do you trust the Holy Spirit that much that you would fully give up control to him? It's scary, I know. But kids, this lady in the, in the story, she was in Macedonia when Paul followed the Holy Spirit and, come and came and shared the gospel with her. Who is that lady in your life? Who is that in your school? Because I, I promise you I'm not worried about numbers. I couldn't care less if it was just two of y'all because y'all are just that awesome and I love y'all and everybody else in here. But 
thing, the thing is, is I see the same people in here every week. And my question to you is, do you follow the Holy Spirit when you go to school? And when God tells you to, to go somewhere to do a certain thing at school, whether it's to walk to the other side of the classroom when he tells you to, because somebody may be dealing with something, somebody may be, may be dealing with drugs or alcohol problems or just dealing with depression because something's happening in their lives and they don't really know how to deal with it. Who is that lady in your life? And are you following the Holy Spirit when you, come to, when you go to school? Because I see the same people in here every week. And that's okay it really is. If people decide, hey, I don't want to go so much, that's fine. But I think it has slightly something to do with not telling people the gospel when we go to school. Because I promise you, you are where you are because God brought you there. Paul is where he is in this story because God brought him there. And even when he was lost, God brought him to the road where he got knocked off his high horse because that's where God wanted him to be. God puts you in your class, around the people you're around, in your locker room that you're in, with the friend group that you're in, all these different things, the grade you're in, what year you're going to graduate, all these different things. God planned that out. And I know it's nerve-wracking to share the gospel or to even invite your friends to church when you're at school. It was a struggle for me. I know it's a struggle for y'all. It's weird. I get it. I know. But are you following the Holy Spirit? That's the only question. Are you or are you not? Same for everybody else. Are you or are you not? Because that, that, that's our lifestyle. Do we get that? Is that something we understand? Because on, on a daily basis, how do you make your decisions? How, how do you go about life? Do you just do what you want to do and then all of a sudden when it's time for church or if it's time for your little Bible study when your phone tells you, is that when you turn to the Holy Spirit and want to pray? Think about it. Well, what, is your, what is your life? Because it should be marked by following the Holy Spirit. And if we are not, then we're doing the wrong things. And I hate to say this, but if we're not following the Holy Spirit, how do we claim to be Christians? How is that even possible? When He's calling you to go somewhere and you say, no, 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 no. Or when He says, don't go here, and you say, yes, yes, yes. I'm going to do these things how I want to do them. And then we say, yes, I am a Christ follower. How are you following Christ when He's going this way and you're going this way? That doesn't look like following Christ to me. And when we're born into this culture, we automatically think we're Christians because of where we're born. It doesn't make sense. And when we don't think about God 23 hours of the day, and then we all of a sudden think about God, you know, uh, you know, just whatever, in casual thinking, or we may even think about Him once a week, whatever, how do you consider that following after God? Ask yourself these questions because they're the most important ones you'll ever ask yourself. Where do you want to end up? Where God wants me. Hey, what do you want to do? Whatever God wants me to do. How do you know that? The Holy Spirit will guide me. How do you know when to have kids? God will tell me. Well, how do you know how to be a good dad? The Holy Spirit will tell me. He's, he's a father. He fathers me on a daily basis. He can tell me how to father my child. Well, how do you know you're going to make enough money? God will provide. How, whatever I need, God will provide it. How do you know your kid's going to have enough to eat? God will provide a job. Just like he said, you don't work, you don't eat. God will provide a job so I can feed my kid. Well, how do you know this? God will tell me. Is that how you live your life? Is that how you want to be? You want to, do, you, do you want to die to yourself on a daily basis or, or do you not? Because if you, if you don't, then you're not wanting to follow Christ. And that's okay. It really is. If you don't want to, you don't have to. It's not a necessity. 
It's not something that we or God is forcing you to do. But what I am saying is, in the Bible, there is a Christian. And in this Bible, that Christian is considered someone who follows after Christ. Christ Christ-shin, Christian. You know what I'm saying? And that's described in one way. When we follow the Holy Spirit, who He gave to us. He gave us Himself to follow after. We cannot create our own idea of Christianity and consider it Christianity because we have one book that describes one person being this way. Now, each Christian will have their different calling to go certain places, to do certain things, to have a specific purpose. Now, it all comes back to sharing the gospel and being God-centered and wanting to live for His glory and dying to yourself. Yes, but every one of us are going to be different. We have this one thing that we do, and that's follow after Christ. Please tell me, why we say we follow after Christ when we have no idea what He does. Please tell me how that's possible. And please tell me how it's possible how we can follow the Holy Spirit whom we do not have. Please tell me. Because that's what a Christian is. And it sounds very harsh, but... There's people out there who need this grace, who need this love, who need this discipline, who need this guidance, who need this heavenly Father to comfort them, who needs this peace in their heart and in their mind. There's people out there who need it, and we're saying, I'm a Christian, but we're not giving it to anybody. Please tell me why that makes sense, because it doesn't. That's what Jesus came to bring, yet we're going to just keep it to ourselves. Matter of fact, we, if you're keeping it to yourself, you obviously don't have it. Because at some point, the Holy Spirit will make you so miserable that you cannot even sleep at night because you just, I want to share the gospel so bad, God, but I, I just can't. I'm, making, I'm getting nervous. I do all this stuff. And God's like, you've got to do it. And eventually you will do it, I promise you. Because if it doesn't bother you, then you just don't have it. Amen. And you are not a Christian. And that's not an exclusive statement excluding people from the faith. That's just trying to warn you what is going on in your heart. You need that love. You need that grace. You need the peace that he's offering. Because there's other people out there who do too. They need it. The lady in Macedonia needed it. All the places that Paul went, they needed it. And God added to the church daily is so encouraging, but these things need to be said sometimes. We can't go around saying that I'm a Christian, saying we're doing these things, and yet we follow after ourselves, doing what we want, making our life about what we want it to look like. How much sense does that make? Because, tell me this, does your life mean something? Does it mean something? Because as far as I know, the Bible says that our life is meaningless. Our life is meaningless. The day you die is the same as the day you were born because in both times, you don't have any money, you don't have anything. That's what Ecclesiastes says. It says that everything in this life is like chasing after the wind. You will never catch it. And when you die, you can't take it with you. So tell me why we live for ourselves and neglect the love and the grace and the mercy and the peace that we so desire by searching after the things in this world. If God has revealed to you in your heart that you do not have that, follow after him. When he says, come to the altar, you come to the altar. When he says, pray in your seat, you pray in your seat. When he says, come down here and pray with somebody, you come pray with somebody. When he says, hey, ask them if they need to talk, 
see if they need to open up to somebody. You go ask them if they need to talk and open up to somebody. If he tells you not to say anything at all, you don't say anything at all. If you're struggling with something, if you're dealing with anything, if God has convicted your heart, please come. Please do what he's telling you to do. Let's pray. Father, Lord, I just I pray, Lord, that we would die to ourselves and follow after you. Because, God, you're the only thing worth following in this life. God, my life is so meaningless if it wasn't for you, Lord. God, the whole purpose of my life, the whole meaning of my life is so that somebody else can have this good news. So that somebody else can know you because, God, you're so incredible. You're more than I can wrap my mind around. God, your love is so powerful. And God, I know that if people reject you, they reject you. And that's their choice. But God, you have so compelled us. God, you have told us, you've commended us to go into this world and share the gospel with these people who will follow after you and they will have this peace, God. And if, if we don't go and preach, if, if something is, is not told to them, how will they know? How will they know you, Lord, if we don't go and tell them? Lord, I pray that we would do the things that your Holy Spirit is guiding us to do. I pray that we wouldn't do the things that the Holy Spirit is telling us not to do. And I pray that our life would not be about self ever. Not a few hours of the day, not a few minutes right before we go to sleep. Lord, I pray that our life would never be about ourselves because God you know what we need before we ever even ask you you know where our life is God you have a plan for our life fully a whole plan that has no gaps and God I pray that we would trust that I pray that we would trust you trust where your Holy Spirit is guiding trust what you are saying and we do not trust self because self leads us where we do not want to be God we love you and I pray that somebody would just open up to your love right now, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.